Welcome back. Costa, how's it going? Oh, mate, it's going great. It's going great. Uh, so here we are. Supercoach has just opened uh, as of, I think, yesterday. Uh, it's Australia Day, the, the day that we're recording. Uh, and we are excited to get back into it. It's going to be a bumper, uh, massive preseason episode. Uh, are you excited? I, I'm I'm ravenous to get into it. Like, I'm full of juices. I've got the juices flowing. The juices are ready to go. Excellent, excellent. Well, we've got shitloads to talk about, so I reckon we yeah, can let, just get let's just do straight it. into it. Nobody cares about us and our summer and all that shit. No, no one cares about what we did over the summer, and let's face it, we did very little. So just for anyone that like hasn't listened to this before, we go pretty hard on the analysis. We're going to do some big, deep dives. We're going to delve I mean, into some data, I think. Sorry, not that deep. We're not that don't, don't paint us to be like... <laughs> like super nerds. Uh, no, it's, no, it's not that, but it's just like... It sounds it sounds like the imitation game here. It's not. It's it's just a couple <laughs> of idiots riffing. Yeah. Okay. Somewhere between those two things. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's the idea. Uh, so first thing I want to get into with you is mm. new rules. So there are new rules for Supercoach. So I'll just, yep. I'll just run through them quickly for anyone that that hasn't seen. Uh, so yep. the big thing is we're getting forty two trades rather than thirty seven. So five mm-hmm. extra trades during the season. Um, this is a really interesting one. The trade boost. So for in in up to five rounds, so basically five weeks during the season, you can use mm-hmm. an extra trade. So you can use three trades if you've still got some. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. I'm going to talk about that more. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's three trades on the two bye weeks. So you can use an extra trade on the two bye weeks. That's in addition to the trade boost thing. Mm-hmm. Um They've scrapped the five trade mega round, so it doesn't exist anymore. Yep. yep. Um, this is really interesting. There's more flexibility during lockout. Yeah. So, so what that means is you can you can do your trade on like I don't know Wednesday night when you've got time because everyone's got time on a Wednesday night. Um, and then if that player is let's say uh, out in the the final run sheet an hour before the game, you could potentially reverse that trade if, if the original player hadn't has not already played or you could trade them to someone else who hasn't played as well. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly now, so, right. so, make that... so so I just want to confirm. So if you trade yeah, so if you trade um, if you trade someone in and then trade that person to another player before their game, that's one trade, right? Yes, that's right. So what you can do to make this tangible is you can, let's say the Broncos are playing on Friday night and you've got like, I don't know, Adam Reynolds or someone from the Broncos mm-hmm. and you want to trade Adam Reynolds to, I don't know, uh, Luke Keery, who's playing on the Sunday, right? Yep. Yep. Now, Friday night comes and goes. So you've made the trade. Friday night comes and goes. Uh, Adam Reynolds is locked out, but then gets to Sunday and Luke Keery is, is now out for some reason and you don't want to trade him in. You can mm-hmm. then trade Luke Keery to another player. Yes. Right? That yes. isn't yet locked out. So someone that's playing yes. later that Sunday or whatever. Um yes. and that is all one trade. So effectively you're just yes. trading Adam Reynolds to the third player. Excellent. Yeah, that's how I understood it. Yep. Okay. Cool. Um, so there's that. And which, then... which just makes sense, right? Yeah, like, well, like it's, 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 it's fantastic for, for those of us who like 
I don't have a free like 10 minutes before every single of the eight games over the weekend to, to double and triple check everything or to make our trades then. Like we can make them before the round starts and then just sort of check when we can. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's heaps better. That's like, of all the changes, that's by far the best one. It's it's a no-brainer and it just makes it yeah, much easier. Yeah, it's not easier. my favorite, but, but yeah. We'll get back to that. Um, And then Jules update. So what, what yes. I mean by this is three times during the year, if there are players that are playing in sort of different positions to what they have been playing, so let's say like you've got a center, a center winger, and he's been playing in the back row, then they might add, they might make him a dual center wing back rower um, at, at various points during the season. I think there's three three designated times. It's like round That's six, correct. round it, 13. Yeah, so it's after, yeah, so it's after the completion of round 6, 12, and 18. 6, 12, and 18, right, yeah. All right, so so out of all of that, like, what do you like? What do you not like? So I love the trade boost. I've been wanting this for like ten years. So really, it's like, yeah, absolutely, because it's That's interesting. It, because it's like it's it's like in um I don't know stock car racing or something like that. You don't just want them to all sort of I don't, I don't know go go at the same pace and hope for like accidents and whatever for for one car to pull ahead from another. You want them to be able to use their boost and you know get around. Oh, it's like they, the you, you want, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's that's exactly what it is. And obviously, we've spoken before about how um, a trade or cash generation early in the season is worth more than late in the season, and that makes absolute sense. So, so for a lot of people, they're going to be like, "Well, hang on. If I just use my <laughs> my nos, my trade boost, like." as early as I can, as often as I can, then that should put me in a position that is comparatively better than than other people who are hold, holding those back. Is that fair? Yeah. So so, so I, I think I tend to agree with you. And this is something that I haven't heard people talk about yet. Most people are saying things like, oh, you know, I might use one early on and then I'll use, you know, the other two during the buy rounds and then I'll save a couple towards the end. Obviously, it's going to be very different if you're playing head-to-head. That's going to be a whole different story. But um, yeah. I've heard people say that, and I agree. I think you probably want to front-load them quite a bit because, for me, the early season is all about getting to that like really good team as fast as possible, like quicker than everyone That's else, right. while That's the right. values and, are going up yeah. massively. Yeah, but but in, in saying that, we've also spoken before about how, as, as the rounds progress, um, your knowledge becomes better as to who are actually the good players yeah. who are just like fronting and it's and it's just smoke and mirrors or whatever. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't use them all, like after rounds one two three four five necessarily, but I might do something like def, definitely round three price change. I'd, probably, I'd almost definitely use it there, and I'd probably do something like you know three four five six seven or three five eight nine ten or something like that. Definitely, so, so, I, I, yeah. I would almost certainly want to get them done before the first buy. I might save one or two for later on, but definitely in that first. So, so what I usually do during the season is, well, at the beginning of the season is around rounds five and round six. Starting about rounds five and round six, that's after I'd say two price changes, right? Already at yeah. that point, after two price changes, I'm starting to think about which cheapies have gone up, say, 100K or something like that, that I can dump to get in yes. guns. 
Yeah. And and what some of the, some of the problems we have with that when we've got two trades a week is sometimes two new cheapies come along and you want to get both of them and that's you know the mm-hmm. old double down, downgrade dilemma versus one up one down as in mm-hmm. you know trade one guy down to a new cheapie free up some cash mm-hmm. and then use mm-hmm. the other trade to trade a guy up. And sometimes mm-hmm. you're thinking, well, I'm going to have to miss one of these cheapies or whatever in order to to do that, to, to do one down and one up. Yep. Uh, now you don't have to miss that, right? You can do a double downgrade yep. and you can use all that cash to do an upgrade, which is That's huge. Correct. That's correct. Right? And, and so, because... Yeah, go on. So I think you can use that in, say, rounds five, six, maybe round seven, around that period, and you can be getting guns faster than you otherwise would. So you might be able to, you know, people like Nathan Cleary, Cody Walker, that like maybe are a little bit overpriced, and I want to talk about that more later. Um, you know, even Turbo, if you if you don't like for those that don't start with Turbo, things like that. Rather than you know only being able to get say one a week, in some weeks you might be able to get two, mm-hmm. or you might be able to get there faster because you can you can as I say you can do a double downgrade and one upgrade. So I think it becomes very useful around that yeah rounds five to eight maybe. Exactly. So, because after round five, all these, especially all these cheapies that have, that have all come in at the same time, have you know, are starting to peak with their price changes. And rounds five and six are the only times when they're all sort of peaking together because they've all started accumulating money together, um, as opposed to other rounds where, like you know, some new rookie gets blooded in round eight or round 10 or round 15 or something like that so yeah rounds five and six are those crucial times and if you think if you think back it's always a it's always around five six seven that you're like man i wish i had a spare trade up you know up my sleeve right now so i absolutely agree with that like i said round three almost certainly and then yeah five six seven is crucial crucial time to be using using that boost yeah completely agree all right that's interesting we're on the same page there so so yeah, I I I think I'll be front loading them quite a bit. Um, I'll be using them to do that to get guns. What I think the the implication of that is that pods won't stay pods as long mm-hmm. because Agreed. people will be able to get them in because they've got more trades to get in pods. Yes. So some of those gun like you know a gun but a lowly owned gun that that happens to be doing really well that would might have been really hard for people to get in in the past. That's going mm-hmm. to be easier. The other thing, and we'll get to this, we're going to do some draw analysis later on, um, is a lot of some of these guns that we're talking about that might be a bit overpriced have really good draws around that kind of, like starting in around, you know, round five or round six. Yep. Um, so, you know, that's another reason why you're kind of going to want to be using those trade boosts, I think, around that time. Yep, agreed. Okay, cool. Um, is there anything else in the, the rules you think is interesting or should we just move on? I mean, basically 42 trades, it does sort of dilute the value of a trade a little bit. Now, yep. basically no one should listen to my advice on trades. If anyone followed my my season last year, you'll know that I um, was doing really well in the sort of first half. I was in the top 50 odd and then I blew all my trades too early and finished about 3,000 odd. And so, yeah, I'm definitely kind of a tradeaholic and you probably shouldn't listen to my advice on trades. But uh yeah, I do think it kind of does devalue the trade a little bit. You can trade harder, um, mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, like I think I worked out if you max traded, you'd only run out with like four weeks to go or something like that. Yep. So, okay. So two interesting Although things. That, I think that didn't take into account the boost actually. So anyway, yeah. sorry. Okay. So, so two interesting things I do want to bring up. So 
Number one, for for the head-to-head players listening, um, the head-to-head grand final is now round 24, not round 25. Yes, I did notice that. And that is, and that's, I mean, that's a great change, right? Because the, yeah, the round that, 25 that's also a good change. Just... But the, the, the interesting flow-on effect of that is that after the second buy, or uh, yeah, after the last buy around 17, 18, whatever it is, you have very little time to get your team together. Yeah, that's true. But more trades so to I, do it. Well, yeah, but more trades to do it. But assuming you've already used your trade boost by then, which I personally would have. Um, but I see, so, like... so can we just talk about that for a second? Because I think like everything we've talked about today is classic overall, right? Sure. So I'm talking with my overall hat on here yeah. when I'm talking about front-loading some of those trade boosts. I'm not sure that I would do that if I was playing head-to-head. I think I still would. Yeah. The, the, benef- the, the benefit is still um, is still more cumulative. So Imagine you could bust out three trades in a semifinal. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. It's like, certainly something worth thinking about though, right? Whereas there's no there's no real reason to I mean maybe you want to save save the three trades for round twenty five if you're playing overall because that is the you know, we've seen that half to, half of teams get rested and maybe you can make up like, I don't know, five hundred points in in round twenty five if you've got three trades up your sleeve. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah, that that's I, I hadn't thought of that. Um Yeah. But otherwise, um, I think it's quite a different strategy between head-to-head and, and overall for the trade boosts. Yeah, I would okay. be I'd be using them much more sparingly up front if I was playing head-to-head. Yeah, okay. Um, so one thing I do want to ask you about the the DPP update thing. Mm-hmm. Would you strategize around that? I don't love it actually. Like this is one of the trades the the changes that kind of annoys me because I think there's mm-hmm. like a big element of luck to it. Yeah, like, you know, you start with a guy and then he just like one day he turns, you know, one day he just changes to jewel and it could even save you a trade. Yes. Right. If the right jewels sort of happen and you luck out, it kind of just arbitrarily kind of locks you into saving a trade, which, you know, I, I'd like to reduce the amount of luck in the game, not increase it. But um, yeah, like, I can, ooh. I think you can strategize a bit around it. I mean, yeah. put it this way. If you if you see a guy named right, let's say there's a new cheapie, and mm-hmm. he's been listed in the system as you know fullback only, but he's mm-hmm. listed on the wing, mm-hmm. then you've got a pretty good idea that in four weeks' time he's going to be a jewel or whatever it is, whenever the next update is. That's the thing. So so one player that already I've been thinking about this a lot um, is Jason Ta- Tamalolo. Uh, because right. he's currently second row only, but there is a lot of chat that he's going to move to prop, mm-hmm. and and front row is there's not much going on in the front row um, as far as I can see, but him as a as as a dual position front row second row player might be very very interesting for me if if I can play him in the front row. So getting someone like that and then being able to move him up in round seven into the front row, I think is something that I would definitely consider. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, so let's say TLT rolls around, right? And Tamalolo mm-hmm. is named at prop. Yes. And let's say you you think that your front row is going to be something like Haas and TPJ. 
Yes. Then you can pick Taumalolo in your back row. And then you know, come round six or whatever, that if TPJ gets injured, you can just switch him around. Exactly. I think a lot of us a lot of us are gonna have two absolute nuffies in our third and fourth front row spot. And so it's gonna be or the other thing one of those guys gets injured. Exactly. Or the other thing you do is like maybe take a bit of a risk with even your second uh, front rower, knowing that you'll potentially be able to move Tamalo up there to replace that guy anyway. So you yeah, get like a okay. so, know, so like, some like, like shitty mid ranger, some shitty mid ranger. Like yeah, I don't know. Even a lot of people are talking about players like um, Stefano Utokimanu. Like maybe maybe he's a, he's a lock for a lot of guys, but for me he's got some question marks. Like I I might take a take a bit of a punt on someone like him, knowing that Tamalolo moves up. Now the now the only other the only problem there is if uh, if for whatever reason yeah someone like Tamalolo starts getting named in the thirteen, even though he's he's playing as a middle. Like ultimately the Cowboys you know, 10, 8, and 13 are pretty much playing the same position and just what the number is on their back. So did they say like there is definitely a risk element. Did they say if there's like an objective rule about when someone gets made dual? Like is it a certain number of games? No. I I didn't I didn't see an an actual rule about it. Yeah, okay. Because that that'll be quite interesting to see kind of how they adjudicate on it, right? Like you'd want it to be Ideally, pretty objective. So you absolutely, know. but yeah. Um, so, so the other thing you might want to do is maybe wait for the round six changes to roll through, see what the methodology is, and then be able to apply it for, in a forward-thinking point of view for twelve and eighteen. Hopefully, they'll tell us beforehand. It'd be yeah. a bit shit if they didn't tell us what the kind of methodology was. Yeah. Anyway, okay, cool. Anything else on the on those rules? No. All right. The other, the other new rules is the new rules in the NRL. That mm. being that uh, there's not going to be six agains. I think it's just for offside. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about ruck infringements, but with, mm-hmm. when you're in your own 40-meter zone, like you've got the ball and you're in your own 40-meter zone, um, rather yep. than getting a six again on like the first tackle or whatever, it actually doesn't matter yep. which tackle it is, yep. um, they'll be blowing penalties. Yep. So... What do you think about that? Do you think it'll have much of an impact? I th- yes, I do. Um, I th- I think generally, and not just because of that rule. I, I'm just the vibe I'm getting for what the 2022 NRL season will be like. I think it will be a slightly less attacking season. I think there will be it'll be much lower scoring season, and this has to do not only with rule changes, but I don't know about. I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like the teams are a lot more balanced this year than they were last year. Um, so, yeah, there'll still be 16-0 blowouts, but I don't think there'll be as many this year as there were last year. With, and, and as a result, I believe actually the scoring will come down and it, it'll affect the high attacking players, which I guess we'll talk about Turbo later. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought all that. So I agree with everything you said. So I've had some arguments on Twitter with people that think that it won't have that big of an effect. They're like, oh, you know, okay, so they won't get a six again. That team will just get a, like, hoof it down the field for a penalty and then they'll be on the attack anyway. So why would it cause less points? The thing about it is 
the cumulative effect of all the rules. So, so there were actually more rule changes between 19 and 20 than there were between 20 and 21, I think, right. in terms of the six agains. Mm-hmm. But it didn't have as much of an effect as the changes between, like the changes between 19 and 20 didn't have as much of, of an effect on scoring as the changes between 20 and 21 because mm-hmm. it was the cumulative effect of all those changes, right? Like it just That's got right. to the point where the ball was in play all the time. And so in the, you know, the last the 10 minutes of each tired. half, everyone was just absolutely gassed particularly if you're you know on a worse team and you're you're like you're just getting dominated in terms of possession Mm -hmm. so i think even you know a couple of breaks a couple of breathers for the forwards even if they do get penalized is actually going to have a pretty big effect in rolling back that sort of cumulative fatigue agreed um absolutely now it's hard to sort of to know how big an effect it's going to be we just don't know um Mm -hmm. But so I've done some. You, you were saying like the the attacking players from the best teams, you know, might be affected. So mm-hmm. I've put together some stats on some things. So have a listen to this. Yeah. So Cleary averaged 108 last year, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His highest previous average was 83. Yeah. Ever. Mm-hmm. Turbo averaged 143. His pri- highest previous average was 77. Now, there's a mm-hmm. bit of an asterisk there because he was like injured for the last two years, and before that, he was very young. But anyway, mm-hmm. Garrick, 88, highest previous average, 52. DCE, yep. 79, 64. Mm-hmm. Cody Walker, 84, 74. Yep. Alex Johnston, 73, 56. Mm-hmm. Jerome Hughes, 73, 64. Mm-hmm. Gutherson, 75, 70. Mm-hmm. Pappenhausen pre-injury, 117 versus 85. Mm-hmm. So... Like, it's not a coincidence, right? Like, all those players are the attacking players from, you know, the, the sort of top four or five teams that absolutely smashed everyone. Yep. And they all had, like, career years. Yeah. So you've got to think that peeling back those those some of those rules is going to peel back some of those scores. That's so right. my rule of thumb is probably that maybe about half the increase between 2020 and 2021 uh, might look like the averages for 22. I'm comfortable with that. Absolutely. So, like, you know, if Cleary averaged 108 last year, I think he aver- actually averaged about 114 before his shoulder in- injury. Mm-hmm. And, his, and his highest previous average was 83. Then maybe he averages around 100 this year. Mm. Yeah, okay. Something like that. Halfway in between. Yeah. You know, DCE, 79, 64. Maybe he averages about 72 this year. I mean, okay. I'm, like, I don't have a crystal ball, but that's kind of where I'm setting my expectations. Yeah, so so I and obviously I assume that the meat and potatoes forwards were probably a lot less affected, um, and therefore Correct. their their prices won't drop um, like like the backs and the playmaker all the playmakers have. Now that that's an that's an interesting prospect. So do we go to you know do we go to the team building of five, 10 years ago and build our teams around, you know, a strong second row and, or something like that. Um, because we know that, that we know that early on, a lot of these backs are going to lose a lot of money. Yeah. I, look, I don't think so. Like, I think attacking stats are still so overpowered that you want to have those guys in your team. I think you just need to be a little bit discerning. So like there are some guys, like we just talked about Pappy, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Yes, he's he was averaging 117 before he got injured, but then uh, 
but then he but got benched a lot and he only yeah he only played sixty minutes average. exactly. Yeah. That's right. So he's he's actually still probably like you know if if Pappy was one hundred and seventeen, he was going in one hundred and seventeen, and his previous highest average was eighty five. Then maybe he averages somewhere around one hundred. Yeah, and he's priced at like eighty odd, right? So. You know, he's still underpriced. So I, th- I think that's yep. the way you look at it. But those guys that, you know, play full seasons, you know, are clearly overpriced. Mm-hmm. Maybe think yep. about it. Now, so I, I'd probably stay away from every single guy that I just mentioned. It, of course, Pappy is fine because of what we just said. All those other guys, Cody Walker, Alex Johnston, DCE, Cleary. Mm-hmm. Cleary is mm-hmm. probably the one that you think about a little bit, but I'd, I'm still staying away given the shoulder injury as well. I still don't think mm-hmm. that I'd be comfortable starting with him given the price. Mm-hmm. But then he gets a turbo. Okay, fine. Oh, I was, I was <laughs> just going to ask you before we started talking about turbo, did you um, purposefully not mention Teddy? I'm just wondering if we do the discussion now about that or if we do the draw discussion because the draw discussion is also relevant. But... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's do the draw discussion later because I agree with you. Teddy will come into that call. So let's. let's so turn... so yeah. Look, I don't think Teddy's overpriced. Basically, yep. just to answer your question, I don't think he's overpriced. So yes, I did deliberately not mention Teddy. Um, yep. we'll talk about the fullbacks in a second. I think let's do the draws first because the, the strength of schedule is relevant to the turbo and fullback discussion. So, I've done some strength of schedule work. Um, uh-huh. I. You know, it was it wasn't overly kind of complicated. I basically just uh, I looked at super coach points conceded last year and ranked teams into kind of different tiers based on how many super coach points they were conceding, um, mm-hmm. and then basically based on that um, gave all the teams scores in terms of who they yep. were playing based on the on that. And I just did it for the first eight rounds because you know after the first eight rounds, pretty much. You know, your whole team probably looks a bit different, so there's not much point looking further out than that. Mm-hmm. So, main takeaways from from strength of schedule is the Warriors have the best draw for the first five rounds out of any yep. team. Yep. The Roosters and the Eels have the best draws over the first eight rounds. So, like, over the total eight-round period, uh, actually, those two teams have the best, best draw. Mm-hmm. For the Roosters, it gets phenomenal from round four onwards. So the first three rounds aren't that good for the Roosters, but between four and actually between four and nine, it gets really, really good for the Roosters. Yep. Uh, the Storm is also pretty good from round four onwards. Mm-hmm. Not amazing, but pretty good. Mm-hmm. Manly is pretty good between rounds three and seven, but Manly start with two very difficult games against Penrith and the Roosters. Yeah. So which is going to be very relevant for our turbo discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh Panthers gets good in about round five. Mm-hmm. It's Panthers have got a pretty strong, pretty good draw altogether, but it it gets it's tough for the first few games and then gets very good round five. The Rabbits also gets very good from round five, but very tough mm-hmm. for the first four rounds. Yeah, uh, and I've got here the Knights, Bulldogs, Dragons have the worst draws out of everyone. Yeah, the Knights draw is horrendous. Um, okay, so. Just as an aside, not that this is relevant to anyone or anything, but two years ago, I dubbed the Cowboys my my team that was going to go all the way. They came 14. Last, last, last year, my call was Newcastle. They did a little bit better. They came seven. This year, the team that I really want to get behind 
and also I feel like I want quite a few players from this team as well, is the one that you mentioned with the good early run, the um, New Zealand Warriors. So I'm just uh, sorry, Warriors people, but they're going to suck this year. Kiss of death. I'm going to be behind them, yeah. So, yeah, okay. So I guess that's where I was about to go. So, So when you... When you look at all that, you go, okay, well, who's got the best very early draw, that first kind of five rounds? And it's the yeah. Warriors, as we said. Yeah. Um, and then you think about, well, who can I get that's like from the Warriors that's going to take advantage of that draw? And the other thing is, a team like the Warriors having a good draw doesn't mean the same thing as a team like the Storm or the Roosters or Manly having a good draw, yes. right? Like, they yes, could lose right. half of those games. Yep. Like, so, I mean, it's obviously better than them playing, you know, Melbourne, Penrith back-to-back. But mm-hmm. just because they've got an early, a good early draw, the Warriors, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to score a shitload of points or anything like that. So you yeah. kind of, when I see those kind of mid to low range teams with good draws, I kind of take it with a grain, grain of salt, if I'm honest. Yeah. So, no, yeah. So like a lot of people I can see are picking up SJ, like, and I think mm-hmm. it's partially because of the draw. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think about that? Uh, I, I have him penciled into my team at the moment. Um, because I think he's, yes, I do. Because I think he's relatively good value. Um, he's back at the Warriors. Um, the yeah, the draw. I and there's not really there's not really that many great options in the halves. Oh, and he's dual as well. There's not many there's not many great options in the halves. But we'll, which we'll talk about soon. But yeah, I I can't afford Cleary. I don't want someone like DCE. Who else is around that price who has the the possibility to to be sort of a top tier player? Like Toby Sexton? No. I like Toby Sexton, but I don't. I'm not, <laughs> I don't think he's going to be a top tier tier player. Right. But, SJ. But, like, uh, put it this way. Yeah, SJ, SJ has the pedigree. He's not. He's not a million years old. He's still. You know. He's been around for a while. He's walking he's on still. one leg. Like, he, like he's he's not the same player who would like jink through the line, but he, he can put guys through. He can put plenty of guys through. So last year, when when Nathan Cleary got injured, right? Yeah. yeah. Everyone picked up SJ. Yeah. Pretty much everyone picked up SJ, except one guy. Mm-hmm. You know who mm-hmm. didn't pick up SJ? Tim Moody, Ooh. the winner. That's right. He picked up DCE instead. Mm-hmm. And he basically won Supercoach off the back of that trade, I reckon. DCE right. averaged something like 140 for the rest of the year. You know what SJ mm-hmm. averaged in that like six-week period that he had a really good draw? What? 54. Yeah, okay. And then he and then he did his leg again and got injured. Mm-hmm. And he had like that draw was as good as this first five rounds. That's fine. Like I'm just saying I haven't penciled in because I don't I don't like no one's jumping out at me. I get it, but I don't know. Like someone like Sexton, I'd probably rather take a punt on a young guy that's at least like got a healthy body. And I reckon probably the Titans have more points in them than the Warriors than a guy like SJ who, you know, like I don't think there's that much upside. I think best case scenario is he averages 65, 70 over that period. Mm-hmm. And more than likely he gets injured. And we don't even mm-hmm. know if he's going to be goal kicking. That's true. Anyway, that's a uh, a slight dalliance. Um, so we're talking about the draw now. 
so we talked about the Warriors, very good draw, but it's sort of unclear who you'd get uh, from mm-hmm. that team that is going to make the best use of that. Walsh is is uh, suspended for a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah. Um, I actually really like Josh Curran, and there's you and Aitken as well. So I, um, I have both of those guys as well penciled in right now. I have both of those guys in my team as well. So I'd actually rather do, like, particularly whoever's outside SJ, I'd rather take yes. that hedge than SJ himself and hope that SJ is putting those guys in holes. Because then I if SJ does get injured, then it doesn't actually matter all that much. Yep. Yep. And, I, and I'm hoping, I mean, Aiken's definitely going to play an edge, but I'm hoping Curran gets an edge as well and not lock. Yep. So the team, so the next two teams that I said have really good draws over the whole first actual nine-week period, really, are the Roosters mm-hmm. and the Eels. Yep. So the Eels, like, who's going to make use of the draw there? The actual, the guy, like, the Eels had a really good draw last year, and the guy that mm-hmm. made really good use of that draw was actually Reed Marnie. Yes. And so there's the whole, you know, Harry Grant misses the first week. He comes mm-hmm. back. He's got a couple of tough games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I've considered Reed Marnie. It, it would, there'd have to be no utility on the bench at Para for me to kind of be interested in him. Yep. The thing with Harry Grant is that that Brandon Smith's going to play lock, you would think, right? Well, no. Well, but maybe. I, Why like, not? I still, Finnegan's because gone. I understand that, but like Brandon Smith is still not an 80-minute player. I feel like he, he'll still be the kind of guy that plays 15 minutes at hooker and, you know, 45 minutes at lock. And then you still have a Tepai Miroa or someone like that playing the rest of the lock minutes or, or Nelson or somebody. And and Grant on the bench to accommodate that. For 15 minutes. I don't think so. I don't so think that's how it will work. So, I reckon, so you I reckon think... Grant starts and Smith starts at lock. Grant starts, Smith starts at lock. So Smith plays, what, like 60 minutes at lock and then just somebody... He just rotates with one other guy at lock. I think so. Or or he rotates with someone at lock and then he gives Grant like a 10, 10 to 12 minute spell at the end of the game. But yeah, that's that's what I'm saying just at the end of the game. Well, the, the point I'm getting Either at... Either way, is... I, think, I think that like Grant's minutes were like 62 minutes last year. I think they go up to 70. Yeah. And if they do, it, I mean, he was already the best scorer in that position. Yep. It's only Reed Marnie playing 80 with that initial good draw and the fact that Grant misses that first game where I would kind of even consider not picking Grant. Um, but, but as you said, like, but Grant's got the upside and Marnie doesn't. Mar- exactly. Marnie's got, a, exactly. a, you know, again, a draw which, yeah, maybe he converts into something, but maybe not. Yeah, agree. Oh, yeah, I, I have Grant at the moment. And the fact that Randall looks like he's going to get the nine job at at, at uh, the Knights because yeah. um, our mate Jordan Braley's unfortunately yeah. probably gone for the season. Mm-hmm. That makes him more comfortable doing that, right? Because you've got a cheapie that you can just plug in for one week. You'll probably get your 45 or 50 or something. Correct, correct. Hey, I started looking... Just today, I started looking at somebody else for that second hooking position. Um, because Randall... you. Th- I'm not convinced that Randall will play 80 minutes. Uh, maybe Kurt Mann or, or somebody rotates in 
for, for a little bit of that time. Um, the other guy I was kind of looking at, I, I want to know what you think of him. Aaron Clark of the Titans. I wouldn't touch him. Why is that? Doesn't have a great work rate from what I've seen. What I've seen, and I don't think he plays big minutes. So I, I think Randall will play sixty. Mm. Whereas I think Aaron Clark might play forty-five or something. And I think Who's Randall's got a better like... PM, PPM and is cheaper. They've got like Tana Boyd. They've got Booth. He, Tana Boyd's in the literally, Tana Boyd's literally the only guy they've got, and he's like, isn't he more of a half? They've also got the Fresh Prince. Who? Will Smith. Oh, did they get Will Smith? I didn't even realize yeah. that. Uh, Will, Will, Will Smith, Smith definitely doesn't make the 17. Will Smith is not a top 17 player. At the Titans, I reckon he might. Either way, I don't think Aaron Clark gets more than sort of 45, 50 minutes. Um, so, yeah, so so maybe maybe Reed Marnie goes well from that early Eels draw. Maybe Clint Gutherson, but like... You know, you've only got those two fullback spot slots. I don't think you're picking Clint Gutherson. Yeah. Um, and then we come to the Roosters. So mm-hmm. the Roosters is actually probably the best draw out of all of them. Yeah. Uh, they've got a very good looking team on paper. I think they're going to beat mm-hmm. teams by a lot of points. I think they can mm-hmm. really make use of that draw. And so mm-hmm. I think I'm going to be stacking my team with Roosters, if I'm honest. Okay. So can I, okay, I want to throw some Roosters players at you and I just want to hear what you think or whether they're in your team. Yep. Can I do that? Okay, so obviously we'll start with Teddy. Let's leave Teddy because I'm, let's have a okay. big discussion yeah, about right. Fullbacks in a second. That's but... fine. Okay. How about Kiri? Don't like. Why? Because you've been burnt before? Because you have been burnt. Have been burnt. Um... So people are saying he's underpriced because he averaged 75 last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was in three games, and two of them were against the Tigers and Manly at the beginning of the season when those two teams were absolutely hapless. And mm-hmm. the six again was in, like, it's full flight. Um, and and basically it was just one blowout score against the Tigers. Now, yeah. his long-term average has never been above 60, and those mm-hmm. rules are getting wound back. And mm-hmm. he's coming off an ACL injury. And he's HIA prone. Mm-hmm. So I think you're like, what has he got? Five to 10 points upside? Yeah. High volatility. Mm-hmm. And who knows if he gets injured again? Mm-hmm. I, I don't see it with Kiri. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think I think a lot of people are also still just considering him because, again, there's I, I, don't, I don't know that there are many clear good options um, in the half. No, there aren't. There aren't. Yeah. And, and he's okay. dual, and he does have upside, right? Like, like I'm not telling people not to get Kiri because it might come off. Like, they do have a good mm-hmm. draw. He has upside. He's a great player. But mm-hmm. he's not consistent. He's not a consistent super coach player. Uh, yep. He does have that injury history. It's just, it's a risk. It might yep. come off, but it might not. Yep, 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 yep. Um, Suali on the wing, that's a pretty obvious yes. Yeah, yeah. He'll be in everyone's team. I think he's the most... Okay. Like got the highest percentage of ownership. Yeah, yeah, he does. Here's a more interesting one. Assuming he gets the center position, uh, Momorowski. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Like, what if he gets the right wing? I if think I'd be more right interested wing. in. If, I'd if forget. I'd, right I'd wing, throw him to get right wing. Yeah, that's right. If he gets the right wing, I think he'll be in my team. 
If he yeah, gets left center, position. yeah. If he gets left center, I don't think so. I think yeah. he probably, like, despite the fact that he's going to get, you know, probably 14, 15 points bump from goal kicking, yeah. I don't think he'll score as well as he did last year at the Panthers. So I think it's only like, you know, maybe a five to 10 point bump. Maybe yep. he averages 60. Yep. Yep. It's just not that good a player. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Um, do, do, do you feel like you're going to be able to fit uh, Angus Crichton into your team? He's in my team at the moment. Okay. Yeah. And one, one more guy I'm kind of interested in, um, coming back from injury, Lindsay Collins. I want to see how he goes and how they use him. Again, it's mm-hmm. just coming back from the ACL. I don't I don't really want anyone coming back from an ACL. Yep. Yeah, fair enough. So I think he'll be relevant at some point during the season once we see what his minutes look like and when he starts to build back up, but... I'm not going to start with him. Yep. Yep. I, I may, um, again, be, front rows are very difficult this year, but sure. Yep. So, all right. Um, so let's talk about the fullbacks. Ah, oh, finally. Finally. We've been hinting at yep. it for a while. So have you looked at the ownership at all yet? No, I have not. So basically, everyone's pretty much ruled out Turbo. When I say everyone, mm-hmm. I think Turbo's at something like seven percent ownership, and Pappy's at like he's over fifty percent, and yeah. Teddy's about that as well. He's like forty to fifty percent at the moment. So basically, yeah. everyone's running with with Pappy and Teddy, and and pretty much everyone I've heard talking about it has just basically straight up put a line through Turbo. He's too expensive. You know, your team looks awful when you get him there because he takes up so much of the salary cap. Those sorts mm-hmm. of things, and you know, mm-hmm. this—that's that's true. That your team does look awful when you put him in there. I mean, just before we talk about those three, are there any fullbacks you would consider outside those three of Teddy, Pappenhausen, and Tonto Boyridge? Uh, so there are two guys I would potentially think about, or uh, yep. with caveats. So one guy that that I would have considered had he been playing in round one was Latrell. Yep, um, agree. With the Absolutely, that but he's obviously that he gets the kicking. There's a, like another 15 points there for him. Um, yep. And the but, other guy but he's out for two weeks, so he's so you draw he's a line out for him. Two weeks. Yep, that's right. Yep. Um, and the other guy, the the other guy who, who would be interesting, assuming he gets the fullback position at the Raiders, but uh, it's not looking like it, is uh, Xavier Savage. Um. Now yeah, so he, he's like he he's like two hundred and eighty k, exactly. So 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 the question is, do you sacrifice a, you know a Teddy or a Pappy to to accommodate someone like that who could potentially make a lot of money? The answer is you wouldn't, right? I don't think you can. Mm. I mean, you'd Again, have to have absolute wraps on the kid, right? I just don't think we know enough a, about him. A, what I have seen is it looks very super coach friendly. Yeah. Look, I don't. Even if he got the fullback position, which, as as you say, you know, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I'm, I'm not sure how mm-hmm. likely it it is, but um, I still don't think I'd consider that. So, I'm with you. I might have considered someone like Reese Walsh if he wasn't out first round. Definitely would have considered Latrell, but yeah. uh, can't. So I think it's basically mm-hmm. down to to the three, mm-hmm. and and even out of those three, it seems like pretty much everyone I talked to has, has put a line through Turbo. So. Yeah. So let's just think about this for a second. 
Now, mm-hmm. what do we know? We know that Manly have a pretty bad first two games. They're playing Penrith and the Roosters. Yep. But having said that, the other two fullbacks that we're considering, Pappy and, and Teddy, don't have a great first couple of rounds either. Yep. Pappy's got the Tigers in round one, but half the, the attacking team around him is out. And then he's got two tough mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Teddy has a decent game against the, the Knights first up and then two hard games. So mm-hmm. first few few rounds aren't great. And then, as we said, Teddy's draw gets amazing. So that's, that's the draw yep. aspect of it. Yep. Uh, I think we can all agree that it's very unlikely that Turbo is going to hit his average of 143 again. Do you agree? I agree. I agree, but I'd, I'd love to, to go through the thought experiment of what to do if he did. So, so okay, so so let's say, so I was just going to say, the difference approximately between um, Turbo's average and Teddy's average, I think is about 57 points. Yeah, that's right. And and he's so in case you you're not looking at it, Turbo is one point two five million, uh Paps is about seven hundred thousand and Teddy is about seven hundred and sixty thousand. Right. Um so so assuming assuming whoever you chose from that is also your captain, then we're talking about a difference of, you know, over a hundred points be, from one guy to the other. Um Assuming they're they're sort of hitting close to their averages. So so this is what I was doing before, right? With looking mm-hmm. at like how overpriced or underpriced they are. So I'm happy to pencil in Paps for about a hundred average, mm-hmm. based on the fact that he was getting 117 before he got injured, and they're paring back the rules a bit. Yep. Now Teddy averaged 87. Mm-hmm. Teddy's the harder one to pin down. So Teddy's got the great draw. He averaged 87 last year without Luke Keary. And we know that mm-hmm. they kind of coughed and spluttered in their attack a lot without Luke Keary. Yep. What is the average this year? I was hoping ninety-five to one hundred. That's what I, I think. Was I can agree. I think I can agree with about ninety-five to one hundred. Yep. That's that's kind of where I think he is. I mean, I actually do think, and this is you know, people disagree with me violently when I say this. I do think he's starting to slow down. He's going to yep. be twenty-nine this year. I've seen signs of him, you know. Previously, like a half break that he made, he would turn that into a try. A couple of times last year, he got sort of chased down. Um, so he had. So I he think he's coming. Yes, I go on. Yeah, so I think he is sort of slowing down a little bit. How much impact that's going to have, I'm not sure. He's sort of he's become a better ball player as he gets older. Um, yeah. And then there's the Luke Keery impact, kind of what how do you, what do you value that at? But I agree. Yeah. I reckon it's maybe maybe you can pencil him in for something like 95 to 100. Yeah. And then, then the question for me is, well, what do you pencil Turbo in? Knowing that mm-hmm. every one of these guys we think is overpriced based on what happened with the game and the blowouts last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's difficult. I don't think you can say that he's going to get more than 130. And even that seems ridiculous. I'm sort of happy to, to sort of pencil in maybe 120, 125. Okay. So, so let's say you gave him 125. Mm-hmm. So that's still a twenty-five point premium over the over the other guy, which is a fifty-point captain premium. Yep. So, obviously, when when you dis, when you look at should I get Turbo or not, the the decision is not actually made by by Turbo or Teddy or whoever whoever you want to put in your fullback slot. It's obviously made by 
the rest of your team, particularly those guys who are going to be playing, you know, 15, 16, 17 in your team. And if if you can get guys who can, who you think can, can pump out, you know, 40, 50 points or whatever, and you can still fit Turbo in, then obviously you do that. But if it breaks your team so much that you, you're stuck playing, you know, some idiots, then you can't do it. And that that's that's the only thing you have to think about. There's a point, let's say somewhere between seven hundred thousand and I don't know one point two million dollars that maybe it does break your team, and at that and your your judgment then will have to be well no I can't get turbo because my team's broken, but you might get the right cheapies or enough cheapies that you could even put in a two million dollar player and still not break your team. So it's just it's just what the rest of the players available to you are. Yeah, I agree with that. So the, the, a lot is going to depend on on how good the crop of cheapies is. And we don't know mm-hmm. that yet. So it's, it's hard to make that decision now because we don't know that yet. I actually yep. think that the the cheapies in the center wing are going to be quite good. Um, there's, there's, a lot. Be a lot of them. There, there's, yep. there's a lot in the backs and there's very few in the forwards. There's, yeah, so far, so far from what we know, there's very. It seems like there's going to be very few in the forwards, but there's a lot in the backs, yeah. so yeah. that that could help. Um, you know, there's Will Pedersini. I reckon Taylor May's got a decent chance. Um, there's there's a lot in the in the halves as well. There's there's Elias. Um, mm-hmm. You know, guys like Jackson Hastings, who's not exactly a cheapie, but yeah. he's he's pretty cheap. Junior Ramon. Um, Junior Ramon. Yeah, all those sorts of guys. So that there are guys there that you can pick that are going to save you a bit of money. Whether or not there's going to be enough of them to make a decent-looking team with Turbo in it is a big consideration, I agree. But but mm-hmm. I think it all depends. Like, it basically all hinges for me on on what you think the difference is. So I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, look, you know, because Turbo's draw starts out difficult and, and you know, Teddy's draw is pretty good and Luke Keir is coming back, maybe there's only a 10-point difference between them anyway, and that 10-point mm-hmm. difference, you know, is not worth $500,000 in price. I personally don't think there's any world where it's a 10-point difference. Like, I know that Turbo had a career year and all the rest of it, and Teddy's a very good player, and so is Pappenhausen. In my mind, Turbo is head and shoulders above the next best player. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what that figure is, but I think it's at least 25 points. Yep. So... As you say, then it becomes pretty interesting because if you if you are going to captain him every week, it's twenty five points times two, which is actually, you know, fifty points. If it's mm-hmm. thirty points, it's sixty points a week. Now, mm-hmm. it doesn't quite work out that way because maybe you don't captain him for the first couple of weeks because they've got tough games. But anyway, let's just say sixty points a week. A sixty, like, if you look at um, how much money someone like, um, well, anyway, a sixty point player. Is worth about 500k right so if he's getting getting you 60 points a week extra mm-hmm. it is actually worth 500,000 yes he's going to decline in value but in terms of the points you're getting per dollar it is actually worth it but but again it's it's not that I don't think that's the right way to look at it it's it's not about it's not about whether whether you're getting five hundred thousand dollars worth of value from your player, because you are just because you're captaining him, it's it's about who's now your seventeenth guy as opposed to who was your seventeenth guy before. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's about both those things. I think. I think what I said is part of the consideration, and 
the part of the consideration that you're talking about is basically how you would use that five hundred thousand dollars if you don't get turbo. That's right. right. Like and what how, the difference how, is exactly, yeah. and how you would use that person depends on the realistic, you know, super coach viable players available. So yeah. again, it's not a decision that you, it's it. There's no there's nobody who can turn around right now and say I'm starting with turbo and I think. Or, or even say I'm not starting with Turbo and be absolutely correct in that assertion at, the, at six weeks out from the beginning of the season. Unless they think that there's only a 10-point difference, right? If you're convinced sure. that there's a 10-point difference between Turbo and the next best player, then there's yeah. no world in which you start with Turbo, right? I, and I think yeah. that's what I'm hearing from a lot of people. They think it's only like a 10 or 15-point difference. Yeah. If you think there's a 30-point difference, then it becomes kind of marginal. Mm-hmm. If you think it's a forty-three point difference, then I think you need to start with him. Yeah. the The thing that makes it difficult is again he's got a like he's got a tough draw, and remember you can use these trade boosts now, which mm-hmm. is going to mean that people that don't start with him are going to be able to get him more easily, because they can do some like a you know as we said before they can do a double downgrade and then an upgrade using those three mm-hmm. trades. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, you know, maybe if he falls 150k over those first couple of weeks, mm-hmm. like one or two price falls, then mm-hmm. people are going to jump on him then. Whereas that would have been yeah. quite difficult if you've only got two trades a week. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, in some ways, when I when I read about the three, you know, the trade boost thing, I kind of was thinking maybe that's the final nail in the coffin for Turbo. But I'm still on the fence. Hmm. Yeah, I'm still on the fence. I'm not sure. I think it needs a lot more consideration than people are giving it. Uh, uh, yeah, at some point it does. Not yet. Well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, people, like everyone I've talked to is just saying they're drawing a line to him. Yeah. Too expensive. Yep. I think I think that's jumping the gun. Yep, I agree. And and and. <laughs> There's just a part of me, like there's a part of me that logically agrees with those people, right? Like as we said before, the team, your team looks so much better when he's not there. But there's also the part of you that has a raging bonus for Turbo. Yeah, I've got a raging bonus for Turbo, and like the way this game is set up with the captaincy rule and the, the best players scoring double, like you want the best player in your team, particularly if he's like a, you know, if he's that much better than everyone else, you want that guy in your team. It makes a huge mm-hmm. difference. Mm-hmm. So it's, it really just becomes about when you're going to get him. And that's the yeah. other thing that makes that's, that's difficult, right? Like, as we said, all their draws get good kind of around the same time, like around round mm-hmm. three, round four, round five. So which mm-hmm. one of those guys, like, let's assume that you, as he's the best player, you're going to want him by, say, round five or round six. Mm-hmm. Who are you going to get rid of? I mean, that's, yes. a, that's a problem for, you know, a while down the track, but it's going to be an interesting dilemma. Mm-hmm. I mean, one, maybe one of them gets injured, and then it's an easy decision. But, but if they don't, yeah, if yeah, if they don't, you you have bought Teddy and and Pappy, and they're probably if the, if they're both outperforming their you know starting average by like 10, 15 points, like like we might assume that they are. Well, it's it's very hard to trade them to Turbo. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Can I ask another question? Yeah. Do you think Brian Pappenhausen is first yeah. seven weeks twenty twenty one Brian Pappenhausen? Uh, yeah, I think I do. 
Okay. <laughs> no, like, I don't think at the end of last year, he had a couple of good scores towards the end. Mm-hmm. But watching him, I don't think he ever fully recovered mentally from that injury. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was the player, even when he scored pretty well at the back end of last year, that he was in the first six or seven weeks of last year. Of, of last year, yeah. So maybe he's gotten completely over it now and he'll go hard. But I'm not sure we know that. I, I think uh, I think these clubs pay some people a lot of money to help help players, you know, get into their heads and sort this kind of stuff out. Um, yeah. But yeah, maybe. look, uh, it's it's yeah, very hard to say. But uh, I I, th- I think I'm uh, I think I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Look, I think I will too, and I. I think he's. I still think he's underpriced, even if he doesn't quite hit those heights of the first few weeks, of twenty twenty one. So it's hard not to kind of have him there, and I think people are kind of, like I think most people have basically locked in Pappy, and then if there's any consideration about Turbo, it's it's a Teddy versus Turbo consideration, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But I some there's a part of me now that's thinking, given Teddy's excellent draw. Do you go turbo and Teddy? Hmm. And maybe, as I said, maybe Pappy's still a bit tentative at the beginning. Yep. Maybe he's not going to be putting up the 150s that we think he is. I don't know. Yep. I have no idea. Summation of all that is I'm still not sure. Um, I agree with you that we can't we won't really know until we see all the cheapies that are named and how teams are going to look. Um, mm-hmm. but I would I just don't think we should be drawing a line to him just yet. Yep. Or- so last year, uh, if I remember correctly, you started with was it three nuffies? Yeah. Or two. Yeah. It was three. It was three. three. Three like non-playing reserves, as in guys that weren't named. Right. And it turned um, out to be a massive error. Okay. So so what do you think your navi approach would be for this year, or are you looking at playing twenty-five? players in this sort of COVID environment? Yeah, look, with the COVID environment, if I can get 25 that are, you know, at, if, obviously the ideal is for everyone to be playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be the, the goal, to have 25 guys that are playing and all making money. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably... So it, where it gets difficult is where in order to have 25 people playing you end up paying like 350000 to have a guy that's not making you 17 and he's yep. not very good anyway. Yep. And then it's the decision between having that 350000 350, guy that's just sitting there and a Nuffy that's not playing at all. If that happens, I'm probably still going... I'd probably still have one one non-playing reserve. And I mm-hmm. think it might be at like third or fourth prop. That's exactly what I was going to say. So I, so I ran through... Um, a couple of different sites predicted team lists and I couldn't see a single um, rookie prop. Um, maybe I missed them. I don't know. But I, I don't. I couldn't see a single rookie prop and there just isn't anybody in the sort of cheap end who I would possibly consider. Again, maybe, maybe if Tepai Maroa gets, gets a run at the Storm, I could consider him, but there's really nobody. So I, and it's a position that makes money so slowly anyway. 
and doesn't make much money that I think I will almost certainly be be putting in a dual position Nuffy um, as my fourth prop. But there aren't any. Well, there aren't the any, but anyway. so, but so, so, so you have to jump up to, I think, you know, the Pisani Salo or that that sort of two hundred thousand yeah. dollar range. And he but, might get a run. He well, he might get a run too. So he might get a run. So there's there's another guy from the Knights, Mama Mama Sia or something. Yeah. Um, he's around two hundred k, and he's mm-hmm. a jewel, and I think he will yep. get a run. So yeah. You could have him either in your second row or front row, potentially, if he's getting a run. Mm-hmm. I think there will be a cheapie from Melbourne because the Kamikamika doesn't look like he's going to play because he did something off the field. Um, yeah. They've lost Finnegan. Um, yeah. Nelson hasn't got his jab yet. Yeah. Um, so it looks like there will be at least one spot, maybe even two spots for for cheap guys at the maybe, store. Maybe, maybe. Um, I think he's out for a week. That'll be hard. That'll be really hard. It'll be hard to know, yeah, yeah, which one it is. Like, but especially anyway. if it's, yeah, yeah, especially if there's two, yeah. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but definitely but, not but, more than one. Like, I think we're going to need serious depth in our teams this year. I agree. I agree. Look, my plan right now, as I said, is one, one in the front row. The other thing that we sort of touched on earlier, you were talking about, uh, you know, sort of meat and potatoes players. Do you go back to them? Mm-hmm. Um, in like, because you know, a lot of the attacking players might be overvalued. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Um, so I'm looking this year at. I mean, the ideal is that they're high work rate players that also can can get attacking stats, right? Now, obviously, those guys are going to be expensive because it's the best of both worlds. Um, so you're not always going to be getting be able to get that. But like some of the guys that I'm seeing come up in teams are kind of the guys that I don't want, and they are guys like Cameron McGuinness. You mentioned mm-hmm. Jason Tamalolo, mm-hmm. uh, Jack DeBellin, mm-hmm. uh, Stefano. Like mm-hmm. basically anyone that plays prop that isn't named Payne Haas. Yes, I don't want any of those guys. Because I want them to have some attack. Like Stefano, so, you know, you can argue he scored a few tries last year, but at the end of the day, he's a prop. Like the chances of yeah. him on any given day scoring a try are very low. Yeah. Um, or like or like an Alex Twelve kind of player as well, I think is a good example. That's right. I think I think the the lesson that I my take home from last year, and you know, I've learned it many times over the years, but it's it's really sort of filtered through after last year is chase the explosive players yeah they don't have to be they don't have to have like if if you give me if you give me a a, you know a plotter with good opportunity or an explosive player with questionable opportunity i think the explosive player when he's on the field will you know something will happen and he'll get those stats and the second thing is when that happens he cements his place in the team Hmm. So I'm. I remember last year when we were talking about Brian Toto versus Brian Kelly, um, and who to start with. And I, th- I think I, yeah, I went with Brian Toto because ultimately I could see him having more chances to be explosive 
Now he ended up having that crazy work rate anyway, but but he also had more chances to be explosive than Kelly did. And Kelly was the kind of guy who could get lost in a game, and Toto was the kind of guy who would never get lost in a game. Yeah, yeah. So so the, to to give you some examples of what I'm thinking, like I don't uh, the third and fourth prop aside, in terms of you know the starting the two starting props, mm-hmm. I don't like Payne Haas. Yes, I mean Payne Haas yeah. last year. As soon as Matt Lodge left. He started averaging like somewhere between 80 and 90. Um, mm-hmm. So you can argue that he's like, you know, 15 points underpriced or something. And he's like kind of explosive. Like he started making line breaks yeah. last year and like just running over blokes and, and whatnot. And he's, mm-hmm. he's got the work rate as well, right? So Payne Haas is mm-hmm. aside. But other than Payne Haas, I don't want any middle. So I'm looking at TPJ as my second yes. prop, who's actually yes, a back exactly rower right. and is very explosive, fills the stat sheet. Then I'm looking in my second row. Sorry, I was going to say yep. that was also the the Papali'i lesson from last year. Exactly. A, uh, yeah, exactly. So, some guy on an edge is has so much more upside than a guy just playing fifty five minutes in the middle. Yeah, but if they've got a high work rate, so so other guys I like. We mentioned um, Angus Crichton, um, yeah. Josh Curran, you and Aitken. Yeah. I mean, you and Aitken, yeah. you can put in your in your centers, but still, um, guys like yeah. that, like. Josh Curran, you, maybe you don't call him explosive, but he runs a really good line, and he runs a great line, and he and and he's got the massive workload regardless. Exactly, and he's got a massive work rate. Cam Murray is maybe one lock I would consider because he's got he's got some attacking him. Yeah, right. um, I don't know if I'd start he's, with him, but you know, yeah, maybe okay. when the draw gets good. Are you expecting Arrow to get an edge? It's like him or Host, right? Yeah, right. And host it, yeah, I think host he's competing shit. with host. He probably does get an edge, but I'm not interested in Jairo. Um, yeah. not does Cam Murray get more minutes because he's captain and a different coach? That's that's a question I hadn't considered, actually. That's a very good question. If he gets 70 that's minutes instead question. of like 62 or something, I can't remember what his minutes last year were, but I think they were low 60s. Yeah, He becomes very, uh, very interesting. And and do they play more through the middle without um, Reynolds calling for the ball? Yeah, maybe. He's interesting, Camaro, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like he's a middle, but he's you know, we know that he can score a try, set tries up. He's mm-hmm. got some. He's mm-hmm. explosive, basically. Yep. Um, but yeah, so so those guys like your twelves and your I don't know Aiden Tolmans. Even guys like AFB, who does have a bit of an offload in him, Stefano, I'm actually not that interested. Yeah, I agree. Like all those totally props, agree. you know, you can kind of throw a blanket over all those props. They're all going to average like 55 to 60. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, but they're not going to average 80. Mm-hmm. With some of these guys will. So I've got a couple of center wing pods I want to talk about. Okay. Uh, every year I look as hard as I can for, I usually look for a half pod and a center wing pod. And they're usually mm-hmm. not super cheap guys. They're usually kind of mid to mid range to pricey guys um, that I think people are kind of overlooking for various reasons. Um, yep. Last year was the first time I nailed the half pod. We've been talking about it. Mm-hmm. We talk, you, you know, we actually talked about it in our very first episode ever. It was, in fact, the first thing we talked about in our first episode ever. 
or any long kind of um, fans. We, yeah, we were talking about what sort of separates the the good teams from the, from the crap teams, and it's the halves pods. That's right. Like the biggest, and, and what we were saying is, and, and you know, maybe this trade changes this year because you, you can use three trades in one week. But um, what we were saying is, if you if you manage to pick an expensive half pod, it's very difficult for someone else to get that guy in. Because they basically, like, usually the team setup is something like, you know, you've got a gun like Cleary and then you've got a cheapie. And then maybe at 5'8", you've got another gun like a monster and then you've got a cheapie. And what mm-hmm. are you going to do? You, you, you're too far away with that cheapie to go up to, to a second gun. Mm-hmm. And are you going to trade like a Cleary or a monster out for this other guy that's, you know, that happens to be scoring well? It seems sideways, yeah. right? So you don't do that. And therefore no one yeah. does it and they save pods for ages. Yeah. Yeah. And the examples of this were like Gareth Widdop had this like monster season a while ago that pretty much no one had him, but all the top guys like at the top of the list were the ones that did have him. Mm-hmm. Cody Walker had a big season a few years ago when he was very lowly owned. I think DCE at some point. And last year it was Jerome Luai, who I started yep. with. First yep. time I've ever got it right. Yeah. Um, this year, as you said, it's very thin. Like I can't yeah. make a good argument for any any of them really. And, and and the rule is that they've always got a very soft draw, right? Mm-hmm. It's usually like Luai had a very soft draw last year. That's right. Um, so usually it's it's a guy that's like pretty expensive and the expense is kind of turning people off. Um, but they've got a soft draw and they score better than everyone thinks they're going to. Mm-hmm. I can't really, like maybe maybe that's why people are so interested in Kiri, right? Like maybe he fits that bill a little bit, except he's not a pod, he's like 30% owned. Mm-hmm. Um but I just, yeah, we talked about Kiri already, SJ as well. Um, but you're right; it's very thin in the halves. And I, I, I've been looking, I've been, I've been flirting with Dylan Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we just went out for coffee and left at that. Right. Uh, <laughs> okay. We would you assuming you had, yeah, you had somebody who you could trust as a backup. Would you look at Munster? So this is the thing about like, can you start with both Monster and Grant, mm. given that they both don't play round one? Yeah. So so a lot of people are talking about Monster that like there's this all this talk about is you know he's going off the booze and he's going to train the house down and all that. Yeah. I will believe it when I see it. Mm-hmm. Like if he comes out during the trials and like has looks like he's lost five kilos and is just like killing it, then I'll get very interested yeah. in him. I mean, yep. he's very consistent. You know what you're going to get, but I don't necessarily like. He was pretty disappointing last year. His average yeah. actually went up, but it didn't go up anywhere near as much as all those yeah, other housing gun gun teams yep. did. Yeah. Yep. Um, and he's you know he's he's starting to get like older, right? Like, why is he suddenly going to get better now? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. There, there so, is one guy who I've know. got a little bit of an eye on. Um, and it's it's kind of an interesting one. I don't I don't even know whether whether he'll make whether he'll be in the starting team or not. But I would be a little bit interested in Albert Kelly because mm. for me, he, the Broncos have a reasonable draw. I I think they're a much improved team from last year, and um. And he's that kind of player that I want, and and I also think Reynolds will take a lot of pressure on him just to just to run and play eyes up, and and he's going he's going to see a lot of tries or a lot of opportunities to set people up. 
Yeah, I didn't love what I saw of him last year, if I'm honest. In 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 his super coach sense, like he when he was younger, he was quite electric, and yeah, now he's a bit more of a kind of plotter. Like he's a you know just more of a kind of organizing type player. He's not running the ball all that much, from what I saw. I don't I mean, know. He, he averaged doesn't, sixty he, in a team. He averaged sixty in a team that he walked into basically halfway through the season. Yeah, yeah. I just like like the eye test. It just wasn't quite. Yeah, he he didn't look that good to me when I was actually watching the games. I think his mm-hmm. average kind of looks better than what he was. Right, right. To me, anyway, that's just my opinion. I like I I don't hate it, but I think yeah, how good are the Broncos going to be? Like I think the Broncos will improve a little bit, but I'm not sure that they're going to be, you know, particularly good. Fine. Okay. Then, yeah. Look. So then, looking at looking at some of the other halves options. Well, I guess the big question is what's Cody Walker going to be like without Adam Reynolds in the team? Um, and a lot of people are saying, well, he's not going to go as well. Which yeah, I, and I think I, he's I really even even if Adam Reynolds was there, I'd be probably not starting with him because again he was one of those players that seemed to really do well with the rules last year so yeah. without Adam Reynolds it's no nah, it's a wait and see for me yeah yeah uh, and their draw is really know. bad to start the year as well yeah yeah Dewey's injured Burnham's going from like the best team to the worst team I don't know I guess DCE maybe we can have a chat about Nico Hines Nico Hines is a kind of interesting one. Um, yeah. I mean, we can talk about him a little bit. A lot of people are talking him up. Can he really hit 78? His average is 78. And if you're going to pay... Yeah, go on. Had, yeah. I think, I think was he playing fullback, then I'd get, then I'd get him in. But playing halfback, I think... I think it, particularly if you're just going to be like sort of this first receiver kind of guy and not sweeping out the back, I just don't think the stats will be there for the, from the from that position. Hundred percent. I'm I'm less worried about him going from the best team, the Storm, to the Sharks, and more worried yeah, about I'm, him going exactly. from back to halfback. Exactly right. Like there's That's less exactly space. Right. I mean, how many how many halfbacks are there that score really well? Like it's basically just DCE yeah. who's got Turbo creating all sorts of shit for him. Yeah, Cleary. Like, yeah. I mean, I think Hines will be good. I think Hines, he'll kind of he'll kind of uh, fill the stats sheet, right? Like he'll he'll run a mm-hmm. bit. He he should kick goals. We're not one hundred percent sure that he that he kicks goals. Probably depends on what happens with Trindle, whether mm-hmm. Trindle gets the halfback spot. But mm-hmm. you think he probably kicks goals. He's he will get some attacking stats. He'll score a few tries. Like there'll be something there, but I just I just don't know if it's seventy eight points worth. Yeah, I think it's like if I was guessing, I'd say it's sort of sixty-five to seventy, maybe, mm-hmm. which just makes him, you know, it's just a wait. It's wait till he bottoms out a bit. I think. Yeah, so, yeah, okay. So, so this is the problem. There aren't there aren't possible um, half or five eighth options here to to put up. I agree, I agree, and so I haven't. So, the guys I've got in there at the moment are like Sexton, Hastings, Amon, and Ilias. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. looks pretty ugly. Hastings will be dependent on him getting the goal kicking. Mm-hmm. Um, if he doesn't get the goal kicking, I, I won't have him. But um, 
his dual, if he gets the goal kicking, he's actually quite a big guy. He's like 100 kilos. Right. I assume he'll, he'll do some running and stuff. So he'll make a bit of money if he's goal kicking. Sexton you know has... When do we back? They're talking... Like, I've heard different differing things, but people are saying now he might not be back till round 10. Okay. Yeah. And if that's true, that's, that's a big stretch. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the other part of the equation, right? Like, you're only picking Hastings if you think he's going to get at least sort of six, seven weeks. Yep, that's right. Um, but yeah, so, I, look, I'm not so settled saying, on any of those. Right, so so, so so you're saying you've started looking in the centre wing for some... I started looking boys. in the second centre wing because I couldn't find one in the halves. And the guy that I've landed on, I'm pretty excited about. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, I mean... Look, I don't think you're going to be able to guess it. When I tell you who it is, you're going to vomit in your mouth. But then I'm going to tell you why. And then I think by the time I've finished telling you why, you're going to be kind of interested. Okay. Can I take one stab at who I think it might be? Go on. Okay. Um, My guess is going to be... If you get it, I'll be amazed. Tane Milne. No. Okay. So this guy, uh, we've talked about this team a lot, but interestingly, you didn't even raise this guy when you were going through like half the team. Oh, Joey Manu. Joey Manu. Yeah. Okay. So what you're going to say is Joey Manu, you wait till he plays fullback over origin. You're picking him up then. His average is inflated because of his games at fullback. At center, he's nothing special. Correct? Mm Mm-hmm. Pretty much, right. yeah. So, let's dig into this a little bit. So, he averaged 62, so he's like 530,000. Yeah. So, he's not cheap. Yeah. Uh, his base was 32. Mm-hmm. And his base plus... Oh, I don't know what his base, base plus power was, but his base is about 32, which is okay, but not that great. Mm-hmm. Now, in the first stretch of the season when he was playing centre, his average at centre... Well, his base average at centre was 26.6, and his base plus power mm-hmm. was 38.4, right? Yep. Which is not great. Yep. Now, obviously, it mm-hmm. was inflated because he played, uh, as we said, those games at, at fullback, and I think there were a couple of games at six as well. Mm-hmm. But in the last six games of the season, and mm-hmm. he played two of these at wing and four of these at centre, mm-hmm. his base was 41.4, and his base mm-hmm. plus power was 57. Yeah. He became, he started playing like a second fullback. He started roaming around like Turbo does at Origin, and suddenly yep. he was popping up everywhere. And when he gets the ball in his hands, he's, he's a weapon. Like we see yep. what he's like. So those stats that I just read out, base of 41.4 and base plus power of 57, that is exactly mm-hmm. the same as Brian Toto. Right. That's how okay. good it is. Yep. And he's 530K instead of 730K. He yep. plays. In, the, in one of the best teams that's got the best draw, he plays round mm-hmm. 13, it doesn't play Origin, and at round, in round mm-hmm. 13, he will play fullback. Yep. I think he could average like 75, 80. If, yep. So and I guess what I'm saying is... They've got, they've got, sorry, a, good, go they've got a good game in, in, their buy, in that round 13. Sure, yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is I think there's been like a series break, basically. Like that's what I picked up in the data. And you saw it sort of on the field if you're watching the games closely. 
the coach, yep. I think, has said to him, I want you roaming around more. I want the ball in your hands more. And he's just started playing a completely different role at centre than, than what he was before. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I don't hate it. Like, like your argument's compelling. What can I say? Isn't it? Yeah, Isn't it? I'm compelled. <laughs> and the interesting thing is, like, I hear a lot of people say, oh, you know, I want to. I don't want to spend money in the centre wing, blah, 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 blah. You know, I want to, don't want to spend more than 300 k You know how much Brian Toto was at the start of last season? Yeah, I do, because I started with him. It was like 490. I think he was like 520. But around oh, that, Oh, right? yeah, sorry. Sorry, yeah, Kelly was 490. Yeah, 520. That's almost exactly what Manu yep. is now. Like... Yep. And we saw what happened last year when people kind of, you know... I guess didn't start with guys like Brian Toto and tried to go really cheap in the centers just for the sake of going cheap in the centers. Like if there's value there, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. how much it is as long as the value's there. Yep. Like if he's priced at 62 and he's going to average 80, mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter that he's expensive. Mm-hmm. You find a way to get him in. So I'm very interested. I guess, I guess the question is, does he continue to play that kind of roaming role this year? Like maybe cause they were decimated with in- injuries, um, you know, he was just doing that at that time for that reason. Sure. But I tend to think it might continue. Like, he signed the, the contract with the club. He could have gone and played fullback elsewhere. I think Robbo has said, no, no, you're going to play a, a really kind of hands-on role in this team going forward. Yeah, I like I like everything you've said. Um, and, and realistically, with the draw that they have coming up for the first buy and the fact that he plays the first buy... I think worst case scenario, he's just gonna he's he's not gonna he's not gonna lose money. He's, he's still gonna be a, sort of a sixty two point guy, and sixty two points is plenty in the center wing. Yeah, I mean, I guess the counter argument is that those those scores are a bit inflated from the, the you know him playing fullback, and maybe he goes back to his kind of start of the year center wing numbers of like I don't know, probably low fifties. Yeah, but with that draw. It's hard to imagine that he can't at least get to sixty. Mm. As you say, I, th- I think it's pretty low downside. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's my that's one. So I'm pretty excited about that one. At the moment, he's yeah. actually got more ownership than I thought he would. He's got he's about seven percent. Okay. Um, I thought he'd be like two or three percent to be honest, but mm-hmm. it's still a pod. I think mm-hmm. anything under ten yeah. percent you can classify as a pod. Be interesting to see what his yeah. ownership is later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other guy I've got on my list, and this might make you vomit in your mouth even more, mm-hmm. Ockenbohr. Yeah, okay. I, I don't mind that. Um, he has to play on the Burton side. And I don't think he will. So right. I think the Burton side is going to be the left with Adokar. I think. Yeah, okay. Uh, so he's playing, I think he'll play on the right. But and look, there's a question whether or not he actually makes the team because they've got mm-hmm. like Corey Allen. Mm-hmm. But I think he does. I, I think he'll get a spot somewhere. I think they'll make yep. a spot for him. I think I think Barrett likes him. Yep. And just digging into it a bit. So his first two seasons, and he's had a lot of injuries, he averaged mm-hmm. 57 and 54. Mm-hmm. He's priced at 42. Mm-hmm. He's come off the... The reason why he's priced at 42 is because he only played like three games last year. And in those three games, he averaged like 47 or something. And he's got a discount on that. But he was coming back from an ACL. I mean, this is why you don't pick up guys coming back from ACLs, right? 
because it's just mm-hmm. not the same. But but he's had an extra year mm-hmm. now to recover from that or an extra off season. Um, yep. And hopefully should be kind of close back to his best. The Bulldogs will be better. They've got a bad draw, but mm-hmm. they've got a good opening two games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe he scores a few tries there. I mean, he's the kind of guy I think could comfortably average sort of 55, 60 and he's priced, priced at 42. Right. Uh, okay. The only thing that worries me about him is he actually played seven games last year. Yeah, okay. And he, it looks like he scored five tries in seven games. Yeah, his base was down. His base and his yeah, base and power okay, was that's... down. But I'm putting that basically down to the fact that he's coming back from an ACL. Mm-hmm. I think he goes back okay. to his, like, a couple of years ago, 57. And, and when he was averaging 57, he had, like, 35 in base. Yep. Yep. Okay. That, yeah. Uh, mm, I'm not sold on him. Uh, I, I just... I'm... I'm also just not sold on sacrificing a center wing position for a team which, you know, looks like it might be improving a lot, but, you know, you want to see it first. Yeah, um, look, I agree. Like, he's, he's definitely not a kind of home run. Like, the draw being not great is one thing, and the fact that he's on the Bulldogs and he's probably on the wrong, wrong side of the field. Um, yeah. But he's an interesting kind of... Like, when you're thinking about someone like, say, Xavier Coates... Because mm-hmm. Ockenball is about 370k and Xavier Coates is about 350, I think. Yeah. Coates' base is so bad. Like, I mean, obviously for Coates, you're thinking that he's on one of the better teams, that he's going to get delivered a lot of tries and stuff. But I don't know. I guess that's the kind of comparison I've got in my mind. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for a guy around that price. Anyway, maybe okay. he's one to keep an eye on. Can I ask you about a couple of guys as well? And, yep. I, and these, are, these aren't so so sort of off the wall guys like like who you've mentioned but um because you did say you, you did mention uh Ockenball coming back from the ACL what's mm. your take on Stags who is i think a, a lot more owned yeah Stags is in like the 40% range like everyone's got Stags yeah. um yeah. look his Stags has been in a lot of my team makeups like he's He's an explosive player. He's shown that he can average 60 easily. Like he's done that twice, I think. And he's priced in the, what, like 45-ish kind of range? 47 mm-hmm. or something maybe? Mm-hmm. He, I mean, I, I think the only issue for him is injury. Yeah. And it looks like he's had a pretty good offseason. He should come back fit. It's just does he get injured again? I mm. think you're taking a risk there because he seems to be injury prone. But I'm not worried about his output. Like I think he'll comfortably average 60. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and if, if the, he gets the, the full back... Yeah, go on. Sorry, just, just on stags. The thing about um, about that is because everyone is like has got a hard-on for stags and then you've got you and Aitken that a lot of people have as well for good reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's like people don't have room for another expensive center wing, right? That's right. Which is where your kind of Joey Manu thing gets a bit interesting, right? Like people just aren't going to be able to fit him in. Mm. I mean, yeah, they could be playing Aiken in the second row, but yes. Well, that's my setup at the moment. Yeah, I've got Aiken in the second yeah. row and and Manu. Yeah, in the in the center wing. Yeah, um, and it, assuming he plays fullback, did you see anything from Tyrell Sloan last year that that gets him into your team? I like Tyrell Sloan. Um, 
there's a couple of like he's been in some iterations of my team. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of issues are that the dragons have a pretty tough draw. They've got one of the worst draws. Uh, he yes. he scored a try in every game he played last year for his sixty yeah. average. Yeah. Um. So like I don't think that's sustainable. He didn't have any other mm-hmm. kind of attacking stats. Like he didn't really have any try assists and things like that. So mm-hmm. I guess. There's points to be had there from fullback if he can do that, but we haven't seen that he can do that yet. Mm-hmm. Like, Dufty scored a lot, like, you know, in that team, in that attacking structure, Dufty had a lot of try assists because he had that, like, pretty sweet cutout pass. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen that from Sloan yet. If we start, if, you know, if I see him throwing out some sweet cutouts in the trials, I'll be very interested. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And okay, and one last guy who I what, what about you? What do you think about him? I currently I have him in my current iteration, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't I really don't know. Hmm. I think so. So I've I've currently got Stags Aiken and Sloan, um, but I, I I really don't think I'll be able to carry all three of them. I think I'm going to have to drop one, um, yeah. and at the moment it's probably Sloan. But we'll see. Um, and then uh, I mentioned earlier, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Tane Milne. So just the the that left center position at the at the Rabbitohs can be pretty lucrative. I mean, Gagai proved that last year. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if they do something like moving Campbell Graham across. Uh, uh, yeah, but again, I, th- I think Campbell Graham's a pretty similar price. Oh, Campbell Graham, Graham's about fifty grand more. But whoever how much is Milne? Four forty-two. Look, if and, Milne and gets Milne, that, if, yep. Milne had some games last year, if, if I if I remember correctly, where he played limited minutes. Yeah, but he also had games where he scored like three tries on the back of a bunch of crap. Sure. I remember because I had Campbell Graham inside him who wasn't getting any ball. They just yeah. kept cutting Campbell Graham out. Um, yeah. yeah, look, I'd yeah, I don't mind Milne, but again, the Bunnies have a pretty rough run in the first sort of four weeks. Yeah. And given that you know Reynolds isn't there, and we're not sure about that, like what the attacking structure will look like and that sort of thing, I'd probably be a wait and see on Milne. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But he's yeah, if he gets selected in, in a team like that, it's an interesting shout. Yeah. Okay. Cool. The other guy that is in this conversation, I think, is Selvin Cobo. Oh, oh my God. I was about to say Selvin Cobo to you. I had him on my list. He's he's great. I really like this oh, kid. He's, if he gets the wing spot outside Stags, I think he'll be in my team. Yeah. He had base of about 35 last year. He did. He did. He was great. And he is explosive. He's explosive and he's a monster and he's got a good work rate. And that's all the things that we said yep. we wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, I, I like Cobo. He's 320K, so like I reckon if you're looking at Xavier Coates, have a good look at Cobo. Yeah, I totally agree. Much better work rate than Coates. I mean, Coates... I don't know what to think about Coates. Like, he's still very young. He's, he's very fast. He could score 20 tries on the end of that back line. But he's going to yeah. need to. And he might also just be energized in like a winning team. Yeah, 
the thing is he's going to need to. You, you're basically, if you're buying Coates, you're basically backing him in to score. I, th- I think to even average 60, he'll basically need to try every game. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that is not beyond him on that team, but like, geez, that's a, that's a lot. You're asking a lot, right? Yeah. I'd, I'd prefer to get someone that's going to do that with, you know, half the tries. It's mm-hmm. just risk, less risky. And I think Cobo is that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's one last player that I'd just like to get your opinion on um, who's a forward. Um, yeah. And then I think we're done. Um, okay. That is uh, Hamole Olakuatu. What's he priced at this year? I haven't looked at him that carefully. He's 500 and 512. Yeah, okay. With a, I think I'm he had, probably he, more... I think he ended up with a 70 minute average last year. Right. But he's like, I, like the last couple of years that I've been watching him, I've just, I've just loved the cut of his jib. Now, I, I don't I think, do... I, yeah, I don't think the outside is huge, but I just, I like the, I like the player a lot. Look, I, I agree with all that. I think his issue is probably his work rate. Mm-hmm. Like his, his work rate from memory, and I haven't looked at the stats really closely, but his work rate from memory wasn't amazing. I remember I looked mm-hmm. at him towards the last, like the end of last year to, to kind of pick him up and his work rate turned me off a little bit. I mm-hmm. probably, but I, like, look, I definitely don't hate it. I rate him as a player. I think there's going to be a lot of attacking stats in that team. Um the only issue is that they go out the back to turbo so much that their, their back rowers actually don't touch the ball that much, not as much as in other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he looks a good player. The, the only other thing is that if I'm going to go for a manly back rower, I might go for Josh Schuster. Yeah, okay. I think Schuster's probably got more upside. Like, again, Schuster, I think he can kind of fill the stat sheet, right? Like, he's going to get try assists. He's going to get his own tries. He's... If if Schuster's kind of done a good preseason and looks a bit fitter and he can up his work rate a bit, he could be anything. Yep. So probably yep. and like they're sort of similar price, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. I think Schuster, and Schuster might be Schuster now has more. a jewel. Yep. Yeah, and Schuster's jewel as well. I'd probably lean towards Schuster out of the two of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't hate Olquato at all. Like mm-hmm. it. The only thing with Schuster again is that they've got those two early bad games, so I kind of yeah. like one part of me wants to kind of lock him in at five eighth because mm-hmm. there's not much there, mm-hmm. but there's another part of me that says well, maybe wait a couple of weeks and just see. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Cool. All right. Well, um, awesome to chat. Now, you'll you'll be coming kind of a few few times during the year. You're going to kind of uh, be. Uh, one of our regular rotating guests, I suppose. Um, yep. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the next episode we're going to do is going to be probably after week two of the trials. So I'm going to get Paul Oss on the show and we're going to basically dissect all the trials and kind of revisit a lot of what we talked about today and, and see what we've learned from the trials. So that's the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be another bumper ep- preseason episode on the trials and then probably after that we'll go straight to, to Teamless Tuesday. So excited for all of that. We'll probably get you back on maybe in the first first month of the, the regular season. Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that sound about right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, 
The other thing just to mention is what we're trying to do this year is have probably more well-researched kind of interesting. uh, We're going to do weekly episodes where we're like dissecting team lists because we think most of you listening to this can, can do a lot of that yourselves. Um, We're going to look at, yeah, more in-depth episodes where we're trying to sort of look at some of the deeper stats or, or get, get some deeper takes um, and yeah, that, that's just going to lead to sort of probably fewer episodes, but longer episodes or more interesting episodes, at least for you guys. Yeah. And so that's the plan. Like, you know, there's so many podcasts out there at the moment. They all do the kind of week to week thing, trades of the week, that sort of thing, team lists. Um, we don't need to, then it doesn't need to be a 20th podcast that does that. So we're going to try and do something a bit different, bit, bit mm-hmm. deeper analysis, more interesting stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And that, as you say, probably leads to, you know, particularly after, I, I think for the first sort of five, six weeks of the year, we'll definitely do week to week episodes where it's still, there's a lot going on with kind of early round, early season trading. But as the season mm-hmm. progresses, there might be a bit more, um, you know, episodes focusing on buy coverage, for example, and, and things like that. A bit, and and pe- yep. perhaps not every week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was awesome. Yeah. I enjoyed that. I hope I hope everyone got something out Me of that. Um, and can't wait to, to, to chat to everyone again. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again. Good to speak to you. And yeah, I'll, we'll speak uh, Yeah, at some point probably in, uh, early into the season. Nice. All right. Thanks, mate. All right. See ya. Take care.